Today on God's Amazing People, I want to dive into the life of Jacob. We're going to start with Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. What Paul is saying here is that what you find in Scripture, it's not there to just entertain us, but it's there so that we can learn from it. And I think that's very valuable as we begin to dive into the lives of these people. They were human, just like you and I. They had real problems. They had real challenges. They dealt with things. And we can learn from their example. Some of the things that, that we're, some of the people we're going we're gonna to talk about, you're going to see how they overcame and they persevered. Some of them, their life is a warning of don't do this. Don't go here. Don't be involved in this because the end is not going to be profitable to you. But it's all for our learning. Jacob is a very unique person in Scripture. He's one of the more well-known people in your Bible. If you have attended church at any point in time in your life, you have probably heard someone talk on the life of Jacob. He's a very interesting character. In Genesis chapter 25 and verse 22, we find that Rebekah could not have children. This is, this is um, Jacob's mother. She could not have children. And the Lord finally blesses her, and she winds up with not just one, but two. She becomes pregnant with twins. And they didn't have sonograms in those days. Now... For the happy couple, you get to see, and I can say this because I've had several of them, you get to see that cute little alien that's in there, in that bubble, and everybody is ooing and aahing over this little being that at times doesn't quite look like the cute little baby that you wind up holding. They did not have that. I know from being a parent and, going, and watching my wife as she has carried our babies, there are times when those children would, would move, when Mimi and Ivy would move and they would shift and you could, you could see that with your eye. So keep in mind, here is a mom who is carrying not one but two babies in her womb. She's not able to have the benefit of sonograms. She just knows that something major is going on inside of her. Because the Bible says in Genesis 25 and verse 22 that the children struggled together within her. So from the very beginning of Jacob's life, it is met with struggle. Jacob finds adversity even in the womb with his bro brother Esau. There is a struggle within her. So much so that she goes and she inquires of the Lord, what is going on with me and these babies? What is happening? And the Lord answers her question in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 23. It says, the Lord said unto her, there are two nations in your womb. And there are two manner of people that shall be separated from thy bowels. And one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. She goes to the Lord and she says, what is wrong? There's something going on. And the Lord says, no, there's a struggle inside of you. There's two nations that are inside of you. That's a powerful thought right there. It's one, it's, it's two babies. But the Lord didn't say they were babies. He said they're nations. 
Oh, if we could elevate our thinking on souls, it's not one soul, it's a nation. It's not one soul, it's a city. And he says that the younger is going to serve the elder. At the time of her delivery, as she goes into labor, she will deliver Esau first. He will be the elder twin. And as she's delivering him, the Bible says that his younger brother reaches out and takes him by the heel. Esau will be the eldest. Jacob will be the younger of the two boys. And they could not be any more opposite children on the face of the earth. Esau will be a skilled hunter. He will be a man that enjoys the adventures of the wilds. He'll be a man that enjoys going out into the fields. But Jacob is said to have been a man that stayed closer to home. Matter of fact, as if as you read it, the fur as you read the the, the the depiction here, I almost in my mind get the impression that Esau is the manlier one and Jacob is the mama's boy. But I've changed my thought on that. As the Bible said, there were two nations. Esau was a man that enjoyed going out and chasing the thrill of the wild and the adventures of the wild. And if you look at Esau's life, he lives his life by that principle. He's always pursuing wild things. If you look at Esau's life, when he goes to find a wife, he does not find a wife of the, of, of the, of the people that God wants them to take a wife from. He goes and he goes into the wilds and he goes and he begins to try to link himself with people that are diametrically opposed to the beliefs of his family. He likes to enjoy the pursuits of wildness. But the Bible says that Jacob stayed closer to home. That means that Jacob, when, when his father Isaac would go to the field and he would work the sheep, it would be Jacob that would be with him. Jacob saw how the family business ran. Jacob was there. And while he may not have been his dad's favorite, because the Bible says that Jacob or that uh, Isaac loved Esau and that Rebekah loved Jacob, Jacob was still very present around the house. He saw how the business ran. He saw how dad conducted himself. And so the day comes. His brother Esau has been out hunting. And he comes back to the house, and Jacob has made a pot of stew. And here is where we begin to see kind of the manipulative nature of Jacob. His brother comes in from the field. He's faint. He's tired. He's hungry. To the point that he could, if he doesn't get some nourishment, he could perish. And Jacob is sitting there, and you would think that with your brother or your sister, that your sibling, if they came in, and they are sick, and they are in want, and they're in need, you and you have it, you would just offer it. But his brother comes in, he says, man, I'm famished. I need something to sustain me. And Jacob looks at him and he says, well, it's going to cost you. That was the nature of the relationship with these two. It's going to cost you something. Well, what's it going to cost me? I want your birthright. Give me your birthright. And Esau says, well, okay, what is, what is it to me? If I perish, it's no good to me. So, yeah, you can have it. Just give me the soup. And there is a transaction that takes place there. And it's, and it's a very unique transaction. 
Because many times in Scripture, we look at birthright and blessing as the same thing. They are not. The birthright was the spiritual authority and dominion of that family. It was supposed to be passed to the eldest son. You're going to operate under the anointing of a previous generation. You're going to flow. You're going to handle things under the anointing of another generation. The blessing is all of the stuff that comes with it. And I think both of these boys were focused on dad's stuff more than they were focused on spiritual things because we'll see as we begin to unravel the story in the life of Jacob that he's constantly making deals and wanting you to bless, give me, give me this. God, if you give me this, I'll serve you. If you make sure this is taken care of, then I'll serve you. Esau did not care about the blessing and living for God. He cared about or the, the, the birthright of living for God. He cared about the stuff. I want what dad has. I've said this before. You cannot make it about the blessing. It has to be about the blesser. The blessing is a direct result of following the blesser. That's why Abraham had to go and and God wanted to see, is Isaac going to be your treasure? Is it going to be about the blessing or is it going to be about the blesser and relationship with me? Because Abraham, if you and I get this right, then everything else is going to fall into place. It's the same here in this principle. I need a man that I can carry on this birthright, that I can carry on this promise, and that we can move forward, and you'll be pliable and allow me to do what I want to do in your life. And Esau was not that. So much to the point, and this has always bothered me, when you look at what is said of Esau in Scripture The Bible says in Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, that God hated Esau, but he loved Jacob. That's pretty powerful. That's a pretty strong term to speak to a man. Because God's merciful and God's loving. But when it came to Esau, he said, I hate that man. Why? Because it was the attitude, I believe, that Esau approached life. The Bible says he despised his birthright. He wanted nothing to do with the things of God. He wanted nothing to do with what God was wanting to do. He was always opposed to it. Close to it, but always opposed to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to I want to I want to caution us today. I cannot take for granted who he is and what he's done and what he wants to do in my life. Jacob was or Esau was not about anything that had to do with God. These boys grow, they mature. Their dad sees time take its toll and he begins to get older. He begins to fade. And the day comes when Isaac calls his boys in and he says, or his son in Esau, and he says, I want you to go. And I want you to go out into the field. And I want you to kill me a deer. And I want you to fix it the way I like it. And I want you to bring it back. And after we've eaten, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you the birthright. I'm going to give you the blessing. I'm going to give it all to you. Rebecca hears this. And she begins to figure out, how can I get Jacob in the picture? It amazes me 
I never read where she ever disclosed to Isaac what God told her about Jacob. I never read where that was opened up and she said, God told me that the younger is going to be above the the older and that the older will serve the younger. I never read where she shared that with him. She waited for a moment. And when the time was right, she steps in and she begins to weave a plot and she begins to try to figure out how through deception she can get Jacob what he's desired, what, what, what has been prophesied over him and what he desires. So she tells him, she says, go get me a couple of goats from the field. Well, young goats, I'll fix them the way your dad likes them. And Jacob says, this is never going to work. I, I don't, I'm not like my brother. The Bible says Esau was a hairy man. Matter of fact, when he was born, the Bible says he was red and hairy. That dude was shaven at six weeks old. Dude was hairy. And Jacob's like, look, this is not going to work. He's got ponytails on his arm where he pulls his arm hair up. And, you know, this is never going to work. And his mom says, you let, you let me handle this. You take the skins, you put them over your arms. You take this meat, you go in. And your dad's blind. He's not going to be able to see you offer this to him. And your dad's going to bless you. And that's what Jacob does. He goes in and he deceives his father out of the blessing. He deceives his father out of the birthright. And when Esau comes in, he's so mad at Jacob that Jacob's decisions and his deception causes him to have to leave and run away from his parents. He has to go because of the choices that he makes. He's always been a conniver. He's always been a deceiver. The name Jacob, I've always heard that it meant deceiver. Always heard that it referred to something that was, that the meaning had a, had a slight twist to it, but I don't read that. Matter of fact, the name Jacob means to follow, be behind But we label Jacob a deceiver because of his actions. Ladies and gentlemen, the meaning of who you are is going to be determined not by what you're called, but by your actions. That's why the Bible says you're going to know men by their fruit. Jacob is called a dishonest deceiver and a heel grabber because of what he did how he lived, how he interacted. If you look at a vast majority of his life up until a point where him and God come together, there is a man who will do whatever it takes to get ahead. So, he runs from his homeland. His mom tells him, you go to my brother's house and you stay with my brother. And he goes there. And When he gets to Laban's house, he sees Laban's daughter and he falls head over heels for Rachel. Rachel is the younger of two daughters. There's Leah and there's Rachel. And Jacob finds Rachel to be absolutely the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his life. And he asks Laban, he says, I want to marry your daughter. And Laban says, no problem. Why don't you work for me for seven years? 
and I'll give you Rachel. Fair enough. So Jacob works for seven years. The wedding day comes. The vows are exchanged. The ceremony takes place. They go on their honeymoon, and the next morning, and this is always mind-blowing, the next morning, oh, Jacob finds out that he's got the wrong sister. How does that happen? The wrong one. So he goes back to Laban, and he says, hey, you deceived me. You dealt treacherously with me. You, you, we had an agreement. And Laban says, well, you know, in our custom, it's not, it's not right to give the younger daughter first. So I gave you the older one, but if you'll work for me for seven more years, then I'll give you Rachel. So he's tricked into working 14 years for Laban. In this time... Jacob will begin to step out on his own. He'll begin to branch out, and, and Laban begins to be blessed because of Jacob. Jacob has the blessing. It's pronounced over his life. You're, you're going you're gonna to have wealth. You're going to have all these things if you follow God. So Jacob is trying to build a life. Now keep in mind, Jacob had an encounter when he was running away from his brother Esau. He stopped one night, decided he was going to camp, made some pillows, and he had a dream. The Lord was reaching for Jacob, trying to get his attention, trying to pull him, trying to, trying to have communion with him. And Jacob has a dream, and he sees a ladder from heaven and angels going up and down this ladder, and it wakes him up, and he, he stirred in that moment. He stirred but he can't get over his bargaining because he tells the Lord in, in Genesis chapter 28, he tells, he tells the Lord after his dream, he wakes up and he says, you know, I've been in the presence of the Almighty. The Lord was here. This is surely the gateway to heaven. And he's afraid and, and he begins to commune with the Lord. And it's not God, if you'll, if you'll, Allow me, I'll submit myself. But it's God, if, if you'll be with me, and you'll keep me, and you'll give me bread, and you give me clothes, and you give me all these things, I'll serve you. I may be messing with some people's theology here, but I don't believe that Jacob's mindset was quite in the right spot at this point in his life. Because he's still about God, what can you give me? You give me, and I'll serve you. That's, the, that's, that's sometimes our attitude. God, you give me this, and I'll do this. You bless me with all of this. That's why I say Jacob is focused on the stuff more than he's focused on God. So he gets to Laban's house. He gets duped. He finally is to the place he has his wives. And, and, and Laban notices that even though Jacob's got some stuff, that there's a blessing on him. His stuff prospers because Jacob's there. And so Jacob comes in one day and he says, look, I've got a proposition to make. God's blessed you because I'm here. So here, here's what I wanted to submit. Any, 
any of the goats or the sheep that are speckled or off-colored, any of the herd that, that you know, they're, they're striped. They're not, they're not the prettiest animals. I want to have them and as my payment for working for you, and you can have all the rest. And Laban says, well, that sounds fair enough. And Jacob, once again, goes back to his, he's a wheeler and a dealer. He gets to figuring out how he's going to make this to his advantage. So he creates little stalls and booths with poles so that all of his cattle are bred by the healthier animals. And they begin to throw off-colored and striped animals, and his herds begin to grow while Laban's begins to diminish. That's just, that's just Jacob. That's, that's who he is. He's always looking for the advantage. He's always looking to try to get ahead. And I want you to notice something about this. That's generational. That nature is generational. Mom says, I'll make it happen, and I'll manipulate it, and I'll deceive to get what I want. Jacob grew up close to the tents. He grew up with a mom that nurtured and loved him, and she began to instill some things into him. Where did she get it? Well, when he goes to Laban, Laban begins to offer deception. You work for me, and I'll give you that family, that was, that was a generational thing that was passed from generation to generation. And if Jacob is ever going to get where God wants him to be, there's some things that he has got to have broken off of his life. And I've been talking for a little bit now, laying a foundation, but I want to I kind of dive into what I felt to talk about. We come in, and there are things at times that attach themselves to us because they're passed from one generation to another generation to another generation. And God is wanting to do something in Jacob's life, but he's got to break the mold before he can get Jacob to the place where he can do what he wants to do with him. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to do things in this church, in the marriages of this church, in the individual lives of this church, in the youth and the young people of this church. But you hear me, there are some things that are going to have to be broken off of us. Does it mean that Jacob isn't favored? Does it mean that God doesn't love Jacob? No, quite the contrary. But at this point in his life, God can't do what he wants to do with Jacob because there's this hanging over Jacob. Have you thought about this? Benjamin and Joseph were small when Jacob goes back into the land of Canaan. But his brothers have been with their dad. They've watched how their dad has operated and when it comes time to deceive and get rid of Joseph, they throw him in a pit. They take a coat. They dip it in blood. They rend it, and they tear it, and they walk into their dad, and they say, we found this. They had picked up on some things as they were growing, and they were hanging around their dad, tending a flock at Laban's house. They were picking up on things. Hear me. How I handle my business in my home and around my kids is important because they're like a sponge. They're absorbing things. And what I show them, they will one day hand back to me and they'll say, I found this. 
Can you tell me what it is? God says, Jacob, there's some things I want to do in you, but I've got to break some stuff off you. I've got to get you pliable in my hands. I've got to get you to the point that I can work in your life. One of Jacob's greatest frustrations in life was with 10 of his boys. And those 10 were raised up around Uncle Laban when dad wasn't doing what, quite what he should have been doing. And after the change and after he's walking with God, his greatest frustration is trying to get his family to line up with the direction he feels to go now. Moms, dads, what we do matters. God wants to do some things in our lives. Jacob, through his deception... And through the timing of his life, gets to the place where the relationship with Laban is toxic. Much like the relationship with Esau was toxic. Because there was always the jockeying for position of how am I going to out-scheme you? How am I going to out-plan you? How am I going to get ahead of you? I've got I've to be the top dog. And so there's a pattern with Jacob. This relationship turns toxic, so I go over here, and I start trying, and there's nothing really changed in my life. And so because of that, there's another toxic relationship that builds until I can't deal with it, and it's time to move on. And God begins to step in and intervene, and he begins to point Jacob back home. Jacob gets closer to home, and the word comes, your brother's going to come meet you. Your brother's coming to see you. He wants to talk to you. And there's a fear that begins to settle on him. He remembered I had to, I had to run away before because I didn't handle things right. And now I'm going to have to face where I'm at. Hear me. Things that are allowed to stay on your life that are never dealt with by God will ultimately bring you to a place of fear and destruction. Jacob is at that place in his life. He has not dealt with certain things. He hasn't handled things quite right. And now he's got a storm cloud hanging over him. Because there's a reckoning that's coming. You can believe what you want. I don't believe Esau was coming out to wish him, how you doing? He wouldn't have brought 400 men. I believe Esau's intent was I'm going to exact my revenge on my brother. But between Esau's meeting with Jacob, there was a night time. And in the night, Jacob separates himself from his family, from his stuff, and he finds himself alone. And the Bible says that he begins to wrestle with a being. When you get ready 
to take the steps and allow God to start breaking some things off of you, generational things. It's going to be between you and God and no one else. You're going to have to separate yourself. It's not my kids walk with God. It's my walk with God. This is not about how wealthy or successful I am in life. This is about God. I'm in a situation where I need you to move and something has to change. It's come to a head. Something has to break off of me. And it's between you and God. And he begins to wrestle with the Lord. Back and forth. And the Bible says that that battle goes on all night long. You can overcome some things. God's going to break some things off of you. But hear me, it's probably not going to happen just like that. And you don't need to get discouraged when you begin to go into the battle and you begin to break some stuff off of your family. You begin to pray some stuff off if it doesn't happen just like that. You need to understand right now that you're in a battle. One of the, one of the powerful scriptures that I take, that I, that, I, that I love to read, it says, anoint the shield. The shield was made in those days, they were made out of animal hides that were stretched. And they would go in at times and they were to take oil and they were to rub the material of that shield because that kept that shield flexible so that when there was a blow that was delivered, that shield did not cave in and be destroyed, but it would flex. Hear me, when you're dealing with some things, it's going to require a little bit of time of prayer. It's going to require fasting, and it's going to be, I've got to keep applying some oil to my life because there's going to be some blows traded here, and I've got to make sure that I'm in the, that I'm in the vein of the Spirit so that when I interact with that, I'm not destroyed by it, but I can get the victory over it. Anoint the shield. Anoint the shield. Jacob's in a fight. He's wrestling. And you can say he's wrestling with God, but he's more wrestling, I believe, with himself. Because he still has a nature that he's been given. And finally... The Lord touches the hollow of his thigh and it becomes disjointed. And still, he's hanging on. And he hears the voice say, let me go for the day breaks. And old Jacob goes, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. But this time it's coming from a broken man. And he's asked, what's your name? My name's Jacob. I'm the one who's known for trying to take advantage of where I can get my foot in the door. God, it's me. You want to know who I am? This is me. If I want God to do what he desires in my life, I'm going to have to be honest with him. God, it's me. 
these are my struggles. These are the things that I'm dealing with. Here I am. That takes place between you and God. And the Lord says, you're no longer going to be called Jacob. You're going to be called Israel. I want to see the blessing of God in my family. I want to see the blessings of God in my church. But you don't get blessing without birthright. And the birthright part was where God struggled with Jacob as well as he did with Esau. Esau despised it. But Jacob didn't have the full concept of it. Esau knew what was required, but Esau wanted nothing to do with it. Jacob saw all of dad's stuff, and he wanted the stuff. And he finally gets the, the, the revelation of this falls into place because I've aligned myself with him. I cannot stress to you enough the need for spiritual authority in your life. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how wealthy you are. I don't care how put together you are. You need spiritual authority and accountability in your life. Jacob was trying to do it his own self, his own way. And God said, no, we're going we're to swing this back around. And Jacob, I know you. And you're always going to have the tendency, if I'm not careful, to try to revert back to who you were. So I'm going to fix it where you don't walk the same. I'm going to give you something that's a constant reminder that you strove with me, that me and you had an encounter. You're going to walk with a little bit of a limp, bud. Because if I keep you whole, you're always going to try to do it your way. But I'm going to keep you a reminder that I'm here and you're beneath me. Some of us this morning are frustrated with where we are in life. And we're frustrated with where we are. But hear me. God's brought you to a place where he wants to have an encounter with you. Where you never walk the same again. That doesn't mean he wants to cripple you for life. But he wants you to walk with him. And if that means taking some of my independence so that I realize I need him to lean on, then that's what he'll do. He'll put you in a place where you have to lean on him. I got to have him. And when Jacob learns and gets himself back in line with God, the blessings begin to multiply. They begin to flow. And he begins to have to face up to some things that happened in his life. He goes and he meets Esau. And he's not met with, this, this, with the violence and, and anger, but he, he embraces his brother. 
And there's a peace that happens there. But there's some things that had to happen in Jacob's life. And it took time. But he had to get to a place where he could break some stuff off of him and his family. I always wondered, and I always thought, you know, you're going you're gonna to call the nation of, you're going to call Jacob Israel. Israel means triumphant with God. It means God contended. I said, I'm going to raise up a nation that have met with me, and I've had to wrestle some stuff out of them. I've had to break some stuff off of them. I've had to change some things. I've had to work on some mindsets. I've had to break some things. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to do some things in this church. He's wanting to do it today. That when you walk back, when you look back, if we'll, if we'll shove everything out and we'll say, okay, God, this is between you and me and nobody else. If we can get there, we're going to walk out of here and we're going to look back and we're going to say, I had a turning point in my life. God, laid, we laid some things down. There was some flesh that come off me. There was some generational things that were broken off of my family in this house. Church, we have a revival that's here, but we haven't scratched the surface. We have not even begun to scratch the surface. If you're, a, if you're new here and you're, this, you, you're starting to move forward in this, hear me. God wants to do some things that would absolutely blow your mind if you knew what God wants to do in your life and your family. But it's going to have to happen when you and I get to the place where we say, God, break off whatever you need to break off of me. If there's a nature that I've been hanging on to that's hung over me that's going to hinder me, then, then, then break it. Change it. Because I want you more than I want anything else. Stand with me this morning. God, I love you. I thank you for all you've done. Lord, I'm asking that you would bless us this morning, that your word would find lodgment in our souls. I ask that you'd go with us today, God. I pray you'd bless the remainder of this service in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We're going to take about a 10-minute break, and when we come back, we'll start our main service. God bless you. We'll be back in just a moment.